Good morning, Radiate. Welcome to Radiate Church today. Listen, I am so excited that you have taken this opportunity to be with us this weekend and throughout the summer. Man, we are so excited to kick off this brand new series called Remix. We're kicking it off today with something incredibly special. We have seven different people that are going to give you an amazing glimpse into the DNA of Radiate Church. Why do we do what we do and how do we do it? You know, values, uh, they make up everything we do. They, they say it like this, you can have the greatest vision in the world, but culture will eat that for lunch. Well, culture is defined by values. And I got seven people today that want to talk to you about the values of Radiate Church. Man, we are so excited about this. These guys are going to kill it. They're going to crush it. We are so excited for you to sit back and learn from God's Word and learn about what God wants to do through you at Radiate Church. Radiate, I love you. Get your notebooks out. Get your Bibles out. Get your voices ready. Go ahead. Stand to your feet. Put your hands together for seven incredible leaders and communicators today. Come on, church. Let's give them a good welcome. Good morning, everyone. It is so awesome to have you here today. If you would, just give it up one more time for these amazing communicators and leaders. They have been praying and preparing for you this morning. I'm Erica Peak, and I serve in Radiate Kids. I'm also a life group coach here as well. And as I was preparing for this mini message, and I'm stressing, where's my people who know me? Many. Uh, I was thinking, what angle, God, do you want me to take? And he um, just kind of showed me through my son what it means to do life together. That's one of our core values here at Radiate Church. What does it look like to do life together? And, of course, through my five-year-old, God spoke to me, and he was working on a craft at 8 o'clock at night, and some mamas are like, girl, you brave. And as he was working on that craft, I just assumed I would get some stuff done around the house, but he had different intentions. He wanted mama to help him with his craft. And, of course, I said, baby, you can do it. You got this. And he responded with, two is better than one. Working together is so much fun. So if your kids are in Radiate Kids, y'all know what I'm talking about when they be preaching a word from their area. And so when my child was telling me this, I was like, okay, God, there it is. And so what I want to do is take you to Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, and it's going to break down the four reasons why we do life together. So turn with me. The first part of Ecclesiastes 4.9 talks about two is better than one. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie a key word with the verse. That's how I work. Key words tell me key reasons why we do life together. So two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Help. When I think about somebody asking me to dig a 10-foot hole, and if I, which I probably wouldn't, but they need me to do it by myself or get someone to help me, I'm probably going to get someone to help me because I will get a better return for my labor because I have someone helping me. But y'all, in a world today, the world says, you're weak if you ask for help. But if you go back to scripture, it says two are better than one because they have a good, not a weak return for their labor, a good return. So help. Verse 10 says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So think about that. Lift. That's the second reason. And I thought about that commercial with that lady on her back, and she says, I'm falling and I can't get up. 
it, y'all, that's funny, right? But some of us are flat on our backs looking at God right now saying, we need you, pick me up. And God is saying to you right now, I have. I have people waiting on you to lift you up out of your mess, out of your chaos, out of your hurt, out of your brokenness. And he's saying, you got to grab so you can be lifted. Help lift. The third part gets a little weird, okay? <laughs> also, if two lie down together, I'll clear, clarify this. <laughs> also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? So here's some context. During this time, people would travel through the wilderness, and at night it would get really, really cold, so they needed people to lay side by side to produce that body heat. And one thing I thought about was, wow, Erica, you know what that means? The people who are light in your life warm you because you've been in some cold places in the wilderness, and God wants you to do life with people because he has people ready to warm you because they are lights in your life, and you need those people to warm you when you're in those cold seasons because some of you are sitting in it right now. It's cold, and you need a light to brighten that season. 27 seconds. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three is not easily broken. Y'all, I don't know a lot about war, but I do know that phrase. Girl, I got your back. You got my back? Yeah, I got your back. But I wonder if this phrase was coined from this verse. Because in biblical times or even now, they would fight back to back. Because they couldn't see the enemy's attack from behind. So they would get back to back to protect one another. Because isn't that true today? How does the enemy attack? behind closed doors when you least expected it. We do life together because you have people who are going to protect you through those seasons where the enemy is attacking. And the last part, and hopefully it works. <laughs> A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Here's me. Here's you. Here's Megan, Jess, Sonia. This is just us by ourselves. What if I took me, you, life groups, wow. come on, coffee come on, dates, texts, wrap them together? You cannot be broken when you do life together. Yeah. Thank you. Go ahead, girl. You're good. So good. So let's give it up for Erica one more time. That was, listen, we're given the task to do this in five minutes. So it's, it's hit and run. It's good. Uh, my name is Chris Kelly. I'm the worship and creative pastor here. Um, I have the privilege of leading these amazing musicians and talented artists in the back. Can we give it up for our, our worship team and our production team? Listen, it, it takes a family, it takes a squad to do what we do here at Radiate Church, and we're thankful for them. But my name is Chris Kelly, and uh, everything worship is what I've always been about. I love worship. I, I, I grew up doing this, and I'm just going to take a few moments and just talk about what we believe here at Radiate Church. We believe in passionately worshiping God. We passionately worship. And so we think about worship as maybe we just come to church and we sing songs, but that's not just all what it's about. It's about coming, to coming in here. It's about going in the car and singing out 
out. It's about getting in our prayer closet, getting along with God. It's just not about singing three songs on, on a Sunday morning. Worship is a response. That's all it is. That's all worship is. And there's many biblical responses within the Bible. Uh, there is clapping, singing, uh, there is crying, laughing, dancing, there's bowing. There's many different postures and they're all biblical, you know? So some of those you may have heard like, okay, I do that. I sing, I clap. I don't really bow. That makes me feel uncomfortable or this, you know what? And that I totally understand that we have a lot of different preferences, but I'm here to tell you that there's many postures that if we get out of that comfort zone and we worship God and we give God something that makes us uncomfortable, it honors his name. The feeling of people looking at us behind us, right? If you sit on the front, my girlfriend did not want us in the front the last couple of weeks, but because she's like, listen, people are watching me worship. And I said, don't worry about that. Don't worry. And you may can relate to that, right? You feel like people are watching you worship. But let me tell you, your worship can be a gateway for somebody else behind you for their breakthrough. So I just want to share a little uh, scripture, Matthew 26, uh, verse 6 through 13. It's a little story about a lady. It goes like this, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Her worship, the sacrifice that she did will be remembered throughout history for that sacrifice. Though the disciples, Jesus' best friends, his followers, they mocked her. Listen, you may have people make fun of you for worship. And they may say, hey, I know what you did in that bar last week. I know what you did. You know what? Who cares? It's between you and Jesus this morning. It's between you and this moment. Your breakthrough can happen in this day. Forget what people are saying. But I can honestly say, just through experience of worship, there's not, I, it's rare, but the enemy is whispering in our ear. And now they're watching you. Don't lift your hands. And you feel the Holy Spirit saying, come on, just give it all. Just give it all. Just this, you guys know what I'm saying, right? Y'all felt it today. I guarantee y'all felt it. During that song, Surrounded, you're like, man, I just want to do that. But ugh. when you give God the sacrifice of praise, and I've heard that growing up, giving God the sacrifice of praise. That means whatever you feel and you like, you know you want to do it, but there's something keeping you. If you step over that, God honors that and you will get a breakthrough. I, oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, so I, that's my challenge today is, you know, as you get in your car or when you get in your prayer closet or when you just get along with the Lord, next Sunday when we get in worship again, Give God your sacrifice of praise. Push through, press through, forget about who's around you, forget about who's watching. I guarantee you, they're probably not watching you. They're right here in the Lord. So that's my challenge for today. And my last thought is this, we have the opportunity here at Radiator in this moment to give God something that we will not be able to give him when we're in heaven. When we're in heaven, there would be no more tears. There would be no more anxiety. There'd be no more depression, no more pain, no more cancer, no more issues. We will be able to worship God in freedom. And it would be so easy to join the angels. It's going to be so easy when we look Jesus face to face. It's going to be easy. But in this moment, when you come in on a Sunday and you've been fussing with your kids and you've been fussing with your, your husband, what, you've come in and you're, you're weighing on your heart issues of this world and you step in and you say, God, I'm going to worship you anyway. Worship is my weapon. I may be surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you in this place. Amen. 
So that's my challenge for you today, guys. Here at Radiate, we passionately worship. I love you guys. Hi, I'm Danielle, and I serve with Radiate Kids, and I also host the Reboot Life group. And at Radiate Church, we serve with excellent love. Um, this morning, we're going to look into the scripture, John 13. If you want to go ahead and turn there, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, this set of scripture is at the Last Supper, all right? And so we're going to read verses 2 through 5. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with a towel tied around him. And now if we go to verses um, 14 and 15, I'm going to read this out of the tra uh, Passion Translation, and it says, So, if I'm your teacher and Lord, and you have just washed your, and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just for, done for you. What we're going to look at is we're going to look at the example that Jesus gave the disciples and how he served them with excellent love. I think that one thing we have to look at, at these, this is merely hours before Christ is about to be arrested. He's about to be crucified. And aside from that, beside that, he lays aside his kingship, being the son of God, being the Messiah, and he takes on the role of being a servant. And his last hours with his disciples. Okay, not only does he do that, but these men, these feet that he are about to wash, his disciples, are about to fail him these upcoming hours. You're going to see Judas, who betrays him. You're going to see Peter, who will deny him. You'll see Thomas, who after the resurrection has to have physical evidence that Jesus is Christ, he is the Messiah. And you're going to see his, his closest peers let him down by going to sleep while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, being, uh, you know, just in such agony. And I think that's because Jesus could see past who they were at that very moment and what they were going to do and be able to see something in them that they could not see in themselves. So when we serve with excellent love, we're not looking at the people who are standing before us right now. We're looking at who God has called them to be. Okay? And we're coming alongside them, and we're helping them pull out their gifts and the talents that God has placed inside them so that they can go out and they can change the community that's about them, that are around them. <coughs> Jesus saw past who they are and saw the potential of who they can be, and we get to do that. This, um, this morning, as we finished up, if your next step is to serve, Head to the Connect Center. Sign up. Find a place to serve. Get along with people who are going to help pull gifts and talents out of you and help others be, pull out gifts and talents inside of them so that this community can be enha uh, radically enhanced and changed. Um, so, so I truly believe that serving with excellent love is empowering and equipping those to live the life that God has intended. Good morning. Hey guys, I am Mike. I'm your ushers coach here at Radiate and we go big or we go home. Uh, so I'm going to try to follow these three wonderful people up here. So just bear with me. So I want to go ahead and dig into uh, 
a verse here. I want to go ahead and get into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is within us. And that, that really hits his heart. It says, according to his power that is within us. So, so some context here. Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he's, and he's trying to encourage them to be, become more mature in their faith. And, and what, he's saying, what he's saying here is he wanted his audience, he wanted the Ephesians and, and us to walk uh, in accordance with our heavenly calling. So I'm going to kind of paint a picture here for you of kind of how I see go big or go home. So I'm on a road trip or I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm coming home, long ride. I decide to stop in at a hotel. Um, well, that hotel where I stay that night, that's not, that's not home for me, right? That's just my temporary place for me to stay. So this is the way I think of it. As a follower of Christ and someone who puts their faith in Jesus, home ultimately for me is with him. It's where he is, right? So out of go big or go home, I'm not home yet. I can't go home. So all that's left for me to do is to go big. So <laughs> thank you, guys. So uh, talking to a friend of mine the other night, and she, she told me something that really hit hard with me. She says, uh, you know, sometimes going big can become bitterness if your big is rooted in the wrong thing. And that, I said, man, that, that, that kind of hits hard for me because uh, here recently my wife and I were faced with a pretty big decision, um, you know, personally. And uh, that was to either get out or re-enlist into the military. So I was like, hey, you know, this is a big decision. And they said, oh, we got a re-enlistment bonus, uh, you know. That, that's hard to turn down. But for me, going big in that decision was meant to, to pray big. That's what going big for me was. Pray big, fast, you know, dig deep. You know, her and I, her and I went, really, went really big with that decision. And we just knew to put it in God's hands. That's, that's, that's all we could do. There's nothing too big for him. So if we go big, match it, you know. Um, that's how I think of that. So for me, we need to stop living, uh, I guess stop living like this is all we have. Like, you know, none of us here are, are guaranteed tomorrow at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have eternity when we, when we are called home, but we could be called home tomorrow. So, so if that's being called home tomorrow, um, why not go big today? So going back, kind of a military reference, you, you know, when the military units deploy, they're, they're tasked specifically with a mission. And God, I'm here to tell you, our, our mission has been given to us. The King of Kings has given us our mission. And it says so in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. So if we've been given our mission, we just need to go big. And there's opportunities everywhere to go big. There's opportunities to worship big. There's opportunities to serve big. You know, those opportunities are there. I don't know what that looks like for, for anybody in here. Maybe that's giving a little bit more than, than your tithe today because that's been on your heart. Maybe that's joining the ushers team. I'm the ushers coach, by the way. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's signing up on a, on a team, you know. But one example I wanted to hit on really fast about how Radiate Church and the pastors here and how, how leadership go big. Uh, you all know recently Radiate got some land, right? 18 acres over on Whiting Way. It's pretty good. Well, what going big looked like to leadership and to your pastors was, you know, praying on that land, worshiping on that land. You know, there were hundreds of bags filled with soil from that land given to everybody, given to everybody in here to pray over. That's what going big looks like. It's believing big and it's praying big because there's nothing too big for us, for us to, to, to pray about. So that, you know, that's, that's not simply standing up here saying, hey, we got some land, guys. Hey, you know, hey. <laughs> so I think if we, 
if we want to go big, again, I've said it uh, to me that ultimately is, is just is praying big. And, and even if, if God doesn't do what, what we're praying big on right then is having the belief and having the faith in that big faith that, that he will when, when our posture is right and when the timing is right. So, but to, to close here, I think the more all of us kind of kind of get past that, you know, and, and try to go big in every aspect, you know, of, of what we're doing, the more others around us are going to see that. Maybe we, we go big in honoring somebody, and, and other people are going to see that, and it's contagious. So the more we do that, the more we're going to lead other people to Christ as we are intended to do, just as I said earlier in Mark 15. So that, that's kind of how I feel. That's, that's my thoughts on go big and go home. Um, again, I'm Mike. I'm your usher's coach, and we go big, not home. Guys, can y'all give it up for these wonderful speakers? Guys, this is phenomenal, the amount of knowledge and depth that we're getting here. This is great. Guys, I want to welcome you. My name is Russell Moss. I am the Next Steps coach here at Radiate Church. And sorry about that. We believe that we cannot outgive God. And I understand when we start talking about this, giving is one of those things that's like blank look. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'll see you in 15 minutes. We'll go to Bojangles. We'll have a good time. I challenge you, stay with me for a minute. Let's jump into God's word and see what he has to tell us about giving. Now, what if I was to say, this is a little box. I don't know about you guys, but when I get presents or I'm at work and someone says, I've got a present for you, instant anxiety, I don't know what to do, I have no idea. I'm like, um, so you have a box for me, a gift? I didn't get you anything, so this is awkward. Or if I did get you something, it was a $2 gift that I got from Dollar Tree. Something's going on and I'm just, I'm getting very, very scared. But what if I, I told you that this morning, when we talk about we can't outgive God, you don't have to worry about that. There's two implications when we say the phrase, we believe we can't outgive God. The first one is, God has already given to you. He's already unlocked something and gifted it to you, and you don't have to worry about that. The second implication, it's really simple, is, well, he's given us to something. If I give you a gift and you hold it in your hand, hopefully you're going to do something with it. You're going to respond. You're going to move forward. You're going to reach somebody. So let's dive into that first part, that first implication, God blesses us. We're going to talk about a piece of scripture that probably everybody here knows. John 3.16, it's probably like on your Facebook, it's probably on your bumper tag, something. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, the creator of the universe, of the heavens and of the earth, of all of creation, you walk out of this door and you see beautiful grass and trees. For he loved you, the world, so much that he came down, he gave up paradise, he took on flesh. As Danny talked about, he took on the form of a servant to go through three years of ministry, to be obedient to the cross thinking of Sonia, thinking of Austin, thinking of Justin, to get on a cross. He loved you so much so that you could have eternal life, that you were not condemned, you would not suffer, but that you could live with him in eternity forever. But it doesn't end there. That's the thing. We, we get to that point where we're like, okay, he's given us this gift. It's this wonderful gift. I get to open it. I get to be with him. I have this promise. But it doesn't stop there. We must respond to the gift. 
Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, I want to read to you. It's the story of a widow, and it says, Sitting across from the temple treasury, he, Jesus, watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury, how many rich people were putting in large sums, and then a poor widow came, and she dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others. For they gave out of their surplus, but she gave out of her poverty and has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. It's obvious from this passage of scripture, it's not about the amount. Two small coins didn't justify with their legal system that they had. The laws of the Old Testament, she wasn't operating within that, but Jesus didn't care about it. No, instead it was the heart posture. As Christians, we're called to give. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be obedient. That's not an option. We're called by Scripture to do that. But instead, whether it's tithing in the storehouse or if it's helping the poor, the homeless, the widows, God's Word is clear that we have to respond to the blessings that He's put in our lives. This morning, I invite you to stop right now and reflect on your life. Look back. Look at the blessings the gift of salvation, the breath in your lungs, the ability to wake up and be here in this place this morning. Do you see the blessings? Do you see how important it is to reflect? But we have to stop and we have to give out of that. Now I challenge you to faithfully and passionately and joyfully respond to that. Instead of being anxious about how big of a gift that you can give, again, looking at this little present, how big is my gift? I challenge you to stop and say, why am I giving? Am I giving because it's expected of me? Is it because I feel like I'm obliged to do it, do I, that I have to do it? Or is it because you get the ability to, to sow back into the storehouse, to give and to bless? But maybe you've never given because you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're giving, you, you, you've stopped yourself from giving because you haven't taken the time to stop and to make him the Lord of your life. So I'm actually going to do something a little different. I'm going to stop and we're going to pray right now. So as I, as I pray, I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we need you. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. God, I open the, the door to my life and I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for giving me life and love and forgiving me of my sins and for giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Amen. It's because of those reasons that Radiate Church, we believe that we cannot outgive God. Come on, keep it going for Pastor Russell. Man, I don't know how I can do it after all these people. Goodness gracious. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Guys, my name is John, and I am the campus director here at Radiate, and we believe in a value called We Honor Up, Down, and all around. And what that means for Radiate Church is that we have leaders above us, we've got people below us that we get to lead, and then we have coaches and leaders on either side of us. And we believe that every single person from top, bottom, side to side deserves honor and respect at all times. And I want to break this down a little bit for you. I just want to take a, a little bit of time, not long, just about four, four and a half hours, and uh, <laughs> we'll get you out by dinner. <laughs> and I want to just break this down a little bit for you because I want to show you why it's important not only for Radiate Church as a core value, but for the kingdom. Because I want you to understand something, the kingdom operates in honor. And I'm going to break that down for you a little bit. So the, the dictionary defines honor as 
the act of giving high esteem, value, or regard, typically to another individual. Well, in a kingdom sense, when you think about it from a biblical perspective, it's like this. Each and every single one of you in those seats has a gift that God has placed deep inside of you. Every person that I come into contact with has a gift, and it is up to me to have the understanding, the heart posture, and the mindset to know that it is my job to do everything I can to pull that gift to the surface. Because what happens is this, everything that I say and do is either A, going to positively affect that gift and bring it out, or B, it's going to prevent them from operating in it. It's only two ways. All right, there's nothing else to it. That's how it's going to be. So let's focus on why it's so important. So you say, okay, John, I got it. I got what honor is, but why does it matter to the kingdom? The first and most biggest reason is this. Honor is the key to access. Let me say it again. Honor is the key to access. Okay, and I'm going to break that down for you a little bit. Let's look at a little example. In the beginning of Mark, book of Mark, it talks about Jesus, and he is the mega pastor of the century, right? He is killing it. He is going from town to town. He is wiping out hospitals, all right? This guy is killing it in ministry. He is casting out demons. He's healing people. He's raising people from the dead right up until he gets to his hometown. Something just shifts in the atmosphere, and it says he could perform no miracles there. Why is that? Was Jesus having an off day? <laughs> Let me tell you something. My God doesn't have off days. I'll tell you that right now. It says in Mark chapter 6 that a prophet is not without honor except within his own hometown with his own people. The way that the people viewed him, the lens that they viewed him with, gave him, that, that, that's the only access level they had. They weren't focused on who he could be or, who he, was, or he, who he is. They were focused on who he was. They said, you're a carpenter. You build furniture. I know you that you were running around in diapers. You're here to save me. You're not here to heal me. Who does this guy think he is? So what happened? He couldn't operate in his gift. Brings me to my second point. You cannot receive the God in a person until you honor the person. The Bible says that the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field, right? So what happens in that is this. God will take something great, and he will put it in something common and make you honor it until the gift can unlock. So the people, they didn't honor, they didn't honor him, and so he couldn't operate in his gift. They couldn't operate in his gift because they didn't see it. Why do, why do y'all think Samson's power was in his hair and not his muscles? God took something great and he put it in something common. And how often is it, how often is it that we decide to honor people when they meet our standard? Ah, you ain't got a nice car. Yeah, man, you ain't got the nice house. You ain't got the status quo. We make the standard. But what happens if we honor a God standard? What happens if we honor? When you honor whether you think they deserve it or not, guess what? You change the standard at that point. You honor somebody, they start changing. Their attitude starts changing. They start doing things a lot differently. Now, somehow they're nice to you, right? So here's the deal. Here's my challenge to you, and I'm going to stop with this because I'm on fire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> here's what I'm going to leave you with. Take the person that you don't talk to a lot, the person at work, the common person, the, the guy that just walks past you every day, right? You see him in the break room. You just don't really like talking to him that much, right? Family member, start honoring that person. 
Take this week to honor that person and watch what happens. Watch the atmosphere shift. Watch God move inside that place. Because when you honor somebody, whether you think they deserve it or not, that is how the kingdom expands. And that is what we believe here at Radiate Church. Thank you, guys. I love you. Radiate Church. I don't know how you follow that up. Thank you, John. Listen, so I am so encouraged that other people had a couple um, illustrations up here today, because whenever I was out here worshiping, I was thinking to myself, I didn't prepare any illustration, but God said, you didn't have to. I already got one, because see, I believe uh, that we truly are the church, right? Like me and you, like every single one of these people here, we're the church. This is what the church looks like, right? Jesus didn't die for, you're not going to believe this, Jesus didn't die for pipe and drape, and he didn't die for cushioned chairs, and he didn't die for LED lights. He said that he was going to die for people, average, everyday, common people, just like me and you. And that's how he was going to build his church, right? Common people that his spirit can now enter into, and we can accomplish uncommon things together, uncommon things together. It's really easy to kind of think about like a church as being something physical, right? Like a brick and mortar church. But the Bible tells us uh, that Jesus isn't going to build his church out of tangible, inanimate things, that he's actually going to build them out of living stones, living stones like Pastor Russell, living stones like Mike and Danny. He's going to build his church out of living stones with him being at the cornerstone. And something amazing happens in our Bibles in Acts 2. And I want to show it to you guys because I want to show you where history is going to change forever, where this thought is going to become so just catalytic and change for all time. And it happens in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I want to give you a little bit of context while we're turning there today. Jesus has He's already died, and he's resurrected, and he's spent a little bit of time with the disciples, and he's given them this final mission, right, to go and preach the gospel, to go and make disciples. But before they start that, something is going to shift in the atmosphere, and things are going to happen a little bit differently than they did before. I'm going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the entire house that they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance, right? This is a huge moment. There's a festival that's happening, and they're in this room in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, God's promised spirit has now flooded the room, and it's beginning to change people from the inside out, both Greek and Jew and man and woman. It says slave and free. Everyone is beginning to change, and there's a small word picture in here that I really want us to look at today, and I hope it excites you and fires you up as much as it excites me. It happens in verse 3. It says, And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. See, before, God would sometimes, he'd manifest himself to certain people to accomplish certain things at certain times. And often in our Bible, he kind of shows up in the presence 
of fire, right? Think Allah, Moses in the burning bush, right? And whenever the Israelites were traveling through uh, the desert, that he would actually hover over their portable church, ring a bell. He would hover over their portable church, it says, as a cloud of fire. But something different happens in this scene that hasn't really happened before. God's now hovering over people. He's not hovering over brick and mortar things. He's hovering over living stones. He's empowering his people. He's making an entire new community of people. And he's empowering them to continue that mission. And guys, that is the exact same mission that you and I are asked to continue today. See, Jesus didn't die for a physical church. He died for us, me, and you alike. Because he knew something special would happen when his spirit gets inside of you, right? Jesus didn't die so that our church could be comfortable and we could worry about the seats and we could worry about the AC and the lights. He didn't die to make our church a cruise ship. Jesus died to make our church a battleship because he was going to empower us to do something that our ancestors started quite some time ago in a room in Jerusalem. So what do we do with this, right? What is next? What's our job? Well, our job is to build the church. Jesus died for to build more living stones, to build up the people that Jesus died for. So I have two things that I would ask myself if I were you, and I'm troubled as I ask myself these same things this week. The first thing, if we're going to build the church that Jesus died for, and we're starting this new community where God's now going to empower me, my question then becomes, who do I know that's not in the room right now? that needs to be a part of that community, that needs the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And the second thing is, what am I going to do about it? At Radiate Church, we believe we are the people Jesus died for. We are the church. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for everybody who studied and prayed and prepared to be able to teach you a word today and show you the DNA of our church. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I hope today's inspired you. I hope it's encouraged you. I'm just going to end and conclude today by just praying before we're joined by our campus director. But I hope these core values aren't just like the writing on the wall for you guys. I hope they're not just cute sayings and cute things. These are the DNA of our church. And man, when you get bought in, you start to realize, hey, this is kind of my DNA as a believer. So listen, I just want to take the time, if you could just bow your heads, just to be able to pray over each and every person that God can somehow or another just over time, illuminate these in our lives so that we can better live them out. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for our passionate leaders today who poured out their hearts and shared your, just your love, God, just your, your mission, just everything that you have for us. God, I pray that these values aren't just values on the wall, but they're values that can be wrote on our hearts, God. And they're not just good for this church, God, but they're good for us as believers and people who want to forge your kingdom and keep retelling your story so that other people can find the redemption and the restoration that we were able to find in you. God, I pray that you just illuminate these values in our lives, and we thank you for everything that you are doing in the building today. And it's in your name, I pray. Could you guys give it up just one more time for your leaders today?